0: hi mel hey <laughs> it's we're good back. to be back <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about Our thrice great boss today, Mercury, or Hermes, himself. And we thought we'd like to start with his Orphic hymn, since that's something that we both use in our rites. So I'm going to read the Greek part, and Mel's going to read the English part. This is Orphic hymn number 28, and Mel's going to use the Athanasakis translation, which is probably the one that's truest to the Greek. I am using... Patrick Dunn's Orphic Hymns edition, which has the Greek in it. Anyway, both are great. Both editions, the Athanasakis translation and the Dunn translation, are worth having. Yeah, I have both and like both. Yeah, different virtues, different features. So this is the hymn to Hermes, number twenty-eight, and the <laughs> and it's supposed to have a fumigation of frankincense. Yes, which we don't have here. We're, we have we're too burning. much paper on the table. That's right. <laughs> okay.
1: Cluthimu Hermea, dios angele DOS HUIE Hear me, Hermes, messenger of Zeus, son of Maia. Pancrates etorechun torechon en agonia
2: Almighty is your heart, O lord of the deceased, and judge of contests.
1: Euphron poikilobule di actore argeifonta. Gentle and clever, O argifontes, you are a guide. Deino pedile filandre toisi profeta whose sandals fly and a man-loving prophet to mortals. Gymnasin hos chaires doliais tapatis stroviuge. You are vigorous and you delight in
2: exercise
1: and in deceit. neo panton Ker Dempore lisi merimne. Interpreter of all, you are a profiteer who frees us of cares. Hos he e renes hoplona memphis, and who holds in his hands the blameless tool of peace. Koruciota, Makar eriunie poikilomitha, Lord of Korikos, blessed, helpful, and skilled in words. Ergasiae sepa roge, filethne toysen You assist in work, you are a friend of mortals in need. Glosses de non hoplon to sebasmion anthropoisi.
2: And you wield the dreaded and respected weapon of speech.
1: telos Hear my prayer and grant a good end to a life. Ergasiesi logu harisin nemos Of industry, gracious talk,
0: and mindfulness. All right, we are, in fact, recording this on Mercury Day at Mercury Hour. So, um, let us hope that the friend to man is in our presence right now with his tool. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. <laughs> ah, well, we should start as we mean to go on. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah, we should talk about the card associated with Mercury which is the Magus in the Thoth deck and the Magician in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck. We will also be talking about the two zodiacal majors associated with the Magician or with Mercury. That is the Lover's Card for Gemini and the Hermit Card for
1: Virgo. Because both signs are ruled by the planet Mercury.
0: And then we will move on to discussing uh, the decanic minors associated with Mercury. Um, There are five decans, which are ruled by Mercury in the Chaldean system. And they are the first decan of Taurus, which is the five of discs or pentacles, the second decan of Cancer, which is the three of cups, the third decan of Virgo, which is the Ten of Disks or Pentacles, the first Deccan of Sagittarius, which is the Eight of Wands, and the second Deccan of Aquarius, which is the Six of Swords.
2: But also, in addition to right. the cards whose Deccan is ruled by the planet Mercury, we should probably also talk about the cards that fall under their res- respective signs, Gemini and Virgo, the sign that is ruled by Mercury, two different things. And also <laughs> we cards. should talk about and also <laughs> we should talk about all the eights for Hode, the Sephira that of is Mercury. ruled by Mercury. Exactly. So there are a lot of cards to talk about here, all that have a Mercurial influence.
0: Precisely. So for the Gemini um, minor cards, we'll be talking about the two eight, nine, and ten of swords, and the for the Virgo cards, we'll be talking about the 8, 9, and 10 of Discs or Pentacles. And then we'll be talking about the Knight of Swords and the Knight of Discs in Thoth, or the King of Swords and the King of Pentacles in Rider-Waite-Smith. And the 8s, all of the 8s, wands, cups, swords, discs, discacles. <laughs> okay, so um, so we've got a lot to cover, but before we do that, we thought we'd just talk a bit about Mercury our buddy and the suns <laughs> <laughs> little buddy of the sun right uh should we talk about him uh, as a planet first or yeah a, what do you
1: want to do
2: well well the, the, that's probably the shortest part so we can yes, we can we, we can do that, that first um so Mercury is the planet closest to the sun. As a result, it's never, um, seen in your astrology chart more than 28 degrees from the degree of your sun because it's that close to the sun. It's the so ho- it's
0: always going to be in the sign of the sign before or the, the sign, sign after. after
2: your sun sign. Yeah. So it's, um, it's the hottest planet being close to the sun and the fastest planet.
0: And indeed, if it weren't for the moon, which was originally conceived of as a planet, it would be the fastest of the seven. Right.
2: Oh, it has an 88-day orbit, which I thought was really oh, yeah. cool because cool. 8 is the uh, number of the Sephira <laughs> of Mercury, Hode. Right. And it's twins, 8-8, eight, 88-day eight, orbit. That's really cool. So go That's figure.
0: Incredibly appropriate. In Hebrew, they called it Kokab, which just means the planet because they felt it was the most important planet, which it is. <laughs> Therefore, they when they referred to it, they just call it the planet. In Arabic, it's known as otared, which means, um, well, which derives from the word to race, to go quickly, which is also appropriate.
2: The other thing that's cool about Mercury as a planet is that Because it's so close to the sun, it's between the Earth and the sun. You see it in phases, but you never see the full phase because when it's in the full phase, it's always either behind the sun or in front of the sun where the sun is too bright and drowning it out. So, well, though it has
1: phases, you never get to see the full phase from Earth. Interesting.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like the trickster, you know, you don't see his full face ever. Right.
0: (laughs) and he is of course the planet that goes retrograde the most mm-hmm. several yes, times ca- a year <laughs> causing all sorts of mischief yep yeah this last one whatever it was in um in i guess it was in february or beginning of march i think it was just monstrous for everyone
2: and another thing i read about mercury is that because of its rotation on its axis is slower than its speed Going around the sun, so its day is longer than its year. Isn't Whoa, that kind of weird.
0: Wild. <laughs> yeah. That's so
2: that's kind really of bizarre. Interesting. Yeah. Bizarro planet.
0: But you know, I think one thing that we find in the lore in general is that Mercury is the exception to everything, <laughs> <laughs> because of his double nature.
2: Another thing that I find really interesting about the planets and Mercury, especially so, is that if you look at the glyphs of the planets. They each have meaning, the shapes that inform that make up the shape of the glyph ha- has a meaning so if you look at Mercury, it's a circle that's the circle of mm-hmm. spirit, the cross, the cross of matter, and then it's got the crescent, the horns coming up at the top, which is the 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 personality that's the the moon that is it's the moon crescent the so it's got the the personality. And the mind, you know, exalted over the spirit and over matter.
0: Yeah, not to mention that that form, if you squint, kind of looks like a caduceus.
2: Yes, it does. It looks like <laughs> a guy wearing a winged helmet or yes. like he's got antennas on his head. And that exactly. totally ties into Mercury's <laughs> role as the messenger of the gods, the the transmitted
1: and the transmitter of information mm-hmm. and communication so shall we
0: talk about um, god names? Yeah, there's, yeah there's a lot
2: of different gods besides yeah. the one we are talking about now, <laughs> uh, the form of Mercury, Roman or Greek Hermes. Right, but or also
0: um, later on the, the idea of Hermes Trismegistus, which brings up the Thoth notion as well. Right. Boy,
2: well, I, I mean, I can think where of to begin? a lot of them. Thoth, <laughs> of course. Thoth, of course. Is the Egyptian yeah. form of Mercury. Then there's Hanuman. Buddha, Odin. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an actual list of them here, along with their yeah. exalted
1: so get that fancy yeah, yeah. titles. Mm-hmm.
2: That might be fun to go through. Oh, Ganesha, that's another one. So this is a uh, planetary magic. Denning and Phillips, mm-hmm. and in it, it's got some lists of um different deities associated with each of the planets. So um, under the Greek, it has Hermes with his. His titles, the gracious one, the great one, the exalted herald, the divine messenger, the protector, guide of man, Hermes of the cloak of night, psychopompos, bringer of dreams, bestower of good gifts, help in war, lord of the games, lord of oracles, he who gives light to the mind, the swift one, the divine shepherd, and the lord of the radiant staff. <laughs>
0: All then. <laughs> All righty then. And that really reflects a lot of what we hear in the Orphic hymn, too. Yeah. Those yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In the Pikatrix, what they do is they, they talk about what his areas of expertise are. The instructor of every kind of writing, you know, the interpreter, wealth, business, money, profound mm-hmm. perceptions, uh, prophecy, reasoning, traveling, sciences, subtlety, intelligence, music, math, divination, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. magic, <Yeah. laughs> uh, geomancy quickness He does it all. He does it all. Um And, you know, even though I don't see it in here, I think that there's a some connection with medicine as well, in mm-hmm. the same way that the son and Aesculapius have that connection. It's interesting that they don't mention anything about his skill as a thief. <laughs> yeah. Although there's subtlety and uh, he's there's an orator. The, mm-hmm. He's a... Gifts what, what, of speech and he, writing.
2: What was the one that he's called... Um, of the persuasive
0: tongue. That's
2: right. <laughs> God of many talents and of the tongue. Yeah. persuasive tongue. Persuasive <laughs> tongue.
0: Yeah. The um, Picatrix has the his names as, let's see, I call on you and invoke you by all your names. In Arabic, Otared. In Latin, Mercurius. In Roman, Haruz. In Persian, Tir, In Indian, Meda. These are just a few of his names, but we see cognates of this god of wisdom, knowledge, interpretation in almost every culture. The Romans, in, according to this, called him Mercurius. The
2: Etruscans have a uh, god Terms who was the lord of magic. Hmm. and it says guardian of measure in its magical aspects boundary stone and
1: threshold are sacred to him.
0: That's interesting, isn't it? Because we think of him as the passer of boundaries and the breacher of gates. (laughs) Yes. But at the same time, he marks off. The Herm always marked off the boundaries. And then the Mm -hmm. uh, Etruscans also
2: had a a second deity associated with Mercury, which is Silens, the guide. It's like the Hermes psychopompus, the guide of the dead.
0: Yes, and he's also associated with those gods, for example, um, in the, you can, you can think of him as an equivalent of Legba or Elegua in yes. the Orisha tradition, yep. the god whom, who opens your mouth and opens all gates without whom you can't start anything. So, you know, in, in magical workings in those traditions, he's always honored first. Babylonians have Nabu.
2: <laughs> the supreme messenger, herald of the gods and divine scribe, director of the world, wielder of the wand of divination, opener of the wells and the far traveler, son of Marduk and grandson of Ea.
0: Oh, that's the Sumerian one. Yeah, Babylonian, yeah. Sumerian. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. And then we have Ganesha, the lord of wisdom, the elephant god, and he has all sorts of titles to sixfold in honor. He who is crowned with wisdom, giver of good counsel, teacher of prudence. Serpent-girdled, Lord of Discernment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, serpent-girdled. And then the Egyptian, Tahuti, urthoth Ibis-headed one. The one, the maker of himself. The twice great, the thrice greatest. Divine (laughs) scribe, he who measures. Lord of the sacred text. He who numbers the stars. He who knows the boundaries of the world. Master of knowledge, mighty in magic. He whose words live. And then also it uh, lists seshet. So his feminine aspect or consort or partner.
0: Yeah, and I think that's an important point to make about hermes that he does have a feminine form that he's double-bodied although we um, often see him as a, yep. yeah as a, we may see him as a priapic figure often but he's also the twins he's gemini he is double-natured he is truthful and deceitful and then there's um
2: her titles the lady of sevenfold
0: power the daughter of heaven
2: the consort of Tehuti the great archivist keeper of the book of life Maker of everlasting words, she who inscribes the term of life, she who inscribes the duration of eternity, etc., etc.
0: <laughs> the original sexy librarian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So to sort of sum it up, we see themes that have to do with knowledge, knowledge, and, and uh, strategy.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, and the the um esoteric title of the card the magus of power of
0: indeed course. yes we talked about the idea that if the fool is the indrawn breath then the magus or magician is the, the utterance, word the word yeah. being released on the exhalation and the word is you know um our great source of power as human beings. Um, it makes us different from everybody else. And it also is our source of greatest corruption, uh, in the sense that words can be twisted, and that everything we say is not truthful compared to what it is before it's spoken. Yeah, so I think that's the always
2: lost in translation. <laughs> exactly,
0: which is why Mercury or Hermes has to be the god of interpretation, as well as the god of truth and lies. He has to know the difference.
2: And that's interesting in terms of the two signs that Mercury rules.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Gemini and Virgo.
0: Yes, that is one way of looking at it. I also think of the sort of dual skills of speech and writing Mm -hmm. uh, in those two.
2: And it's really interesting, too, if you look at the esoteric titles, they both have to do with words. So...
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and power yes
2: well you know mercury is the magus of power but the two signs so gemini's is children of the voice oracle of the mighty gods Mm -hmm. and the hermit is prophet of the eternal magus of the voice of power so
0: the voice is in there no matter what yeah right right yeah,
2: it's interesting. One They're got, both or, one's oracle, one's prophet. Mm-hmm. They both are, have the voice. You They're know, kind of the, different and, ways of saying the same thing. Yeah, things. yeah. I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Although you know, we talk about Odin as the Norse equivalent of Hermes. He also has qualities that are like Loki as well. You know, oh yeah, trickster qualities and silver-tongued qualities, yeah. troublemaking qualities. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of overlap. Um, but everybody's gotta have a god who does that. You know. Then <laughs> <And> there's Gandalf. <laughs> <And> there's
2: Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. He's kinda like Odin and, and the hermit, uh, yeah. all wrapped into one.
0: That's right. Yeah, the cynics. Funny that you you mentioned it about um when we were talking about boundaries and the idea that there is kind of this connection i see particularly in the hermit between the Senex figure mercury and the saturn figure in the same way that justice kind of brings forth the venus and saturn figures together you know there's that sort of like the the lord of speed and the lord of time have to have something in common
2: (laughs) it's in evangeline adams astrology book which was actually ghost written by crowley and he says of mercury that it's best in aspect with either jupiter or saturn um jupiter is best because it's the, you know it's putting him in the even though even though you know they they're opposites in a way and there's the whole detriment thing mm-hmm. he says Jupiter's best because Mercury's best in the hands of a wise religious teacher mm-hmm. and he said saturn is also very good best um because as long as it's not too pessimistic you know, as long as the Saturn is is wise, it structures Mercury from being too flighty and all over the place. So it, he said, um, Mercury without Saturn is like an egg without salt.
1: <laughs>
2: I
0: thought you were going to say an egg without a shell. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could be true. Right, no boundary. <laughs> as an astrological entity, um, Mercury is slightly different, but not. Altogether different from his godlike properties and planetary properties. He is the communicator, first of all, the keeper of the word. He's the mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: And he has to do with things that have to do with the houses that are associated with his two signs. So Gemini or the third house, Virgo and the sixth house. So with the third house, it's siblings, transportation, Early environment, education, uh, short distance travels, things like that. Um, uh, the sixth house Virgo would be health, diet, exercise, daily routines, uh, you know, employment,
0: um, hobbies. And although I don't, you know, necessarily always subscribe to the equivalence between. Yeah. The it's signs not and equivalent, houses, but there's definitely there's a, lot of, a lot
2: of overlap. There's, it's relevant in that when you're looking for, things of that you might look at and you're wanting to know which planet to look at as opposed to which house to look at. You're looking at Mercury. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, he is traditionally associated with merchants as well as so merchants, Mercury market, they're all the same word. Basically it's all kind of documents and paperwork, (laughs) documents and paperwork, but money too. It's like the handling of money is key. Um, You know, this is something that you see in older forms of the magician. There's always trinkets and monies and a game being run on the, on that table.
2: <laughs> the mercury figure is kind of like the tinker in the old days would come around with his cart, you know, and sell you all the, you'd have a, right. something
1: yeah. for everyone,
0: <laughs> including
2: right. some snake oil. That's right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, mastery of illusions. And chicory, some hustling, some hustling for sure, and being able to generally use the word for whatever purpose you need it. It's a, it's a, it's a road opener. Mm. You know, when we look at someone's Mercury placement, it gives us a sense of the quality of their intelligence. I mean, the character, not the mm, smart. smarter or less smart, but like the character or the the way it expresses itself in the world.
2: Right. It's a really important part of the astrological chart because it's one of the personal planets and it's probably you know your mind really defines you
0: it really does yeah
2: it's probably you know i would say third you know sun moon mercury yeah ascendant of course but you know if you're talking about the
0: planets it's the inner workings of your mind but also your the what your mind does to allow you to engage with others Mm -hmm. and with the past because it's has to do with memory as well
2: Although I think of the moon as more about memory. True, but there is the
0: art of memory. The magical art of memory is a hermetic property. Yeah, I was thinking more of like as in history. Right, the moon holds the past. Yeah, The collective memory for sure. Yeah, The archetypal memory.
1: Mercury
2: is the mind and the moon is the brain mechanism. You know, the bodily function of the brain, where Mercury is the mind part of the brain.
0: Mm. So in terms of his rulership of Gemini and Virgo. Gemini is his diurnal and Virgo is his nocturnal sign. Gemini, of course, is the air and the masculine form.
2: Right. So that's interesting Mm because we have, how does Mercury express as mutable air versus mutable Earth? Right. Always
0: mutable. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting. Same thing with, you know, Jupiter holds the other two mutable signs doesn't always work that way. You know, I think uh, Venus has a cardinal and a fixed, Mars has a cardinal and a fixed, but in the case of Mercury, it's mutable, and that seems to make sense because Mercury is always on the move and always changing. You know, and it's interesting also that it's air and Earth since those are opposed. In in Gemini, we see a <laughs> Mercury at his greatest speed.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... um Mutable air is definitely more flighty and changeable and mm-hmm. into like variety from one thing to the next to the next than Virgo, which is more analytical.
0: I literally dated a Gemini who was a pilot. <laughs> but yeah, they have that, you know, there's that quality of flitting from thing to thing with great ease and confidence. Whereas, you know, as a Virgo, we may be ruled by Mercury, but that doesn't mean that we're going to talk it's, a mile a minute. It's like the difference:
2: <laughs> Gemini is volatile Mercury, whereas Virgo is fixed Mercury. Yeah, I think
0: uh, you know I see it's what not a mean. fixed sign, yeah. but you know what yeah, I mean. I it's earthy. Mean.
2: It's more. It's it's a you know mm-hmm. a little less volatile than uh, Gemini is.
0: Yeah, there's also you know I think about the qualities of mm-hmm. Mercury the god and. I always think of the Virgo cards as having to do with more of his psychopomp functions of going deep, yeah, detective-like. Def- you know? Yeah,
2: definitely. So if you look at the um, the mottos for Gemini, it's I think, and for Virgo, it's I analyze. So Gemini's always asking why, 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 and, and then going on to the next thing once it gets the answer, mm-hmm. whereas Virgo is then saying, well, now that I have this information, now... I want to analyze it and dissect it even further.
0: Right. The the Gemini qualities are more outward oriented, and you know you get fantastic orators and speakers and persuaders in that sign. Definitely. Mm -hmm.
2: I think they want to experience as many things as possible. The Gemini's curiosity. Yeah, curiosity is a big is a big thing. Whereas Virgo is more into like the practical application. Well, and I think also they.
0: It's like whereas you know the Gemini curiosity goes wide and far. And the Virgo curiosity goes down and deep into single subjects. Yeah. Forensic. So we can see that actually in the in the lovers and the hermit. I think the hermit, it's particularly obvious that sort of drive to go deep, even if it takes you far away, right from everyone else. Where can I shine my work lamp? so i can see all the details
2: <laughs> going within and that's kind of interesting too you even look at the parts of the body they rule mm. so the they they both have to do with the nervous system mm. but with gemini it's the lungs and the arms and the hands and you know grabbing mm-hmm. i'm making hand gestures here that you can't you can't see <laughs> you reaching can hear out the and gra- grabbing things and then um with virgo it's the bowels mm-hmm.
0: down deep right. you know within <laughs> Right, the digestion and breaking yeah. things down into little tiny particles yep. from bigger ones. I think with the relationship between Gemini and the lover's card, it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately because of well, we're recording this in the first decade of Gemini, and I've been thinking about that Eight of Swords um sort of the paralyzing proliferation of choices. Yes. <laughs> Which I think is, you know, that, that moment where Gemini, you know, sees so many different things and cannot decide which one to settle on. Right, And that's what the lover's card is kind of about is making that choice.
2: And you have to use the sword to cut one of those. You got away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta kill You got to kill, you got to kill all the others and choose one. Right. Right. It's and, like- that multiple world doors close as soon as you
0: do. Right, right. And that's swords, not just in terms of the fact that the suit of swords is associated with Gemini because it's an air suit, but also the letter sign, the Hebrew letter zine that goes yes, with the lovers. Yes, that's what I kind of meant when I said mm-hmm. yeah. the sword. Thank I you for they explaining both apply, that. Though. Yeah, Yeah, I think yep. they both apply. And, you know, and that's something that I think makes the lovers as choice a lot more Clear to people because it's associated with the sword, because it's associated with, you know, those pairs of twins we've talked about, mortal and immortal, where mm-hmm. one has to die. That moment is like the moment that's depicted in the writer Wade Smith, and really like the one that's re- depicted in the thought. It's a fateful moment. After that, everything changes. And I think when we talk about that sequence eight, nine, and ten of swords from you know, interference or shortened force to cruelty to rune. It's about having to give something up. Yeah.
2: The mind is a sword and you are having to cut away things. And that's why the cards are so harsh. They're the ultimate fruition of the sword suit shows you (laughs) how dangerous your mind is. Really, It is.
0: It is. The mind can really lead you into places where you can't necessarily get yourself out, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is one reason that... The Ten of Swords is as dark as it is, and it's also the reason that I've seen it, I think, in practice so often manifest as really serious depression, mm-hmm. you know, where it's hard to do things when the mind becomes the enemy.
2: It kind of reminds me of what it says, uh, what Crowley says in Lieber uh, Magi, where he says about the, the magus, with the with the wand createth he, with the coin redeemeth he, with the cup preserveth he, but with the sword, with the dagger, he destroyeth. Right. You know, the mind can destroy.
0: <laughs> I mean, we think of Mercury as being fundamentally airy as a planet generally. So there's a match between that and the cards of the sword suit.
2: Although it's kind of interesting, I mean, we haven't gone into Kabbalah at all, mm-hmm. but Hode is watery. Which is it? it yeah, yeah. Net- I always thought
0: of Netzach as being watery. No, Netzach's fiery. Well, when you, I,
2: I know just, it's confusing. Yeah. It doesn't make logical sense, yeah. but none of the Kabbalah
0: makes logical sense. Uh, no, so. it doesn't. It doesn't really. <laughs> I'm thinking of Alan Moore's rendition of Netzach, which is you know all underwater. I could see that, but yeah, hmm. interesting. And then we go over to the Virgo cards, and that's where Mercury's exaltation is, right in the you know, smack dab in the middle of Virgo. And it's almost as if that grounding in earth, you know, helps give him some body and some substance and application in the world. You know, I think that's where the divination skills come in, perhaps, you know, that going between realms as the hermit does, um, as well as the psychopomp functions. Definitely the critical... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and editing aspects of Virgo. Yeah.
2: That judging. mixed blessing. <laughs> yeah. It's like all those details and then there's some judging
0: that has to happen. That's right. It's sort of like the, the job of Mercury and Gemini is to multiply <laughs> options and then the Mercury job in Virgo is to whittle them down. And then if you look at the the three cards, you know, prudence,
2: gain, and wealth, you've got like sitting on it counting it
0: <laughs> accumulating it and then hopefully spending it yeah there is some darkness associated with those cards although they sound so you know the, so positive there is that traditionally the 10 of discs or pentacles is an analog for death yeah in a way. it's the end yeah you know it is the uh it, the the encasement and i like to call it the use it or lose it card <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right it's Once you have liquidated things into coin, then they're just this, you know, hard, dead, fungible material. And that's why the Deccan is actually considered one of infirmity Mm -hmm. and death, cheerily enough. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, as we know, death is not the end because we are talking about the god who is quite comfortable passing into the land of the dead and helping people into there and sometimes out. Him and his decoder ring. (laughs) <laughs> and it's all access paths so looking at the small cards yeah we should go
2: into those that's, that those is really interesting, interesting. so how, how does Mercury manifest through the Deccan rulerships is a yeah, really interesting story
0: it is, it is, so we see him I guess if we want to go like just in chronological order We see him first in the Five of Pentacles as the Lord
2: of Worry. Or the Lord of Material Trouble.
0: Or Material Trouble, exactly. And I think that that's really interesting because if you think about the majors associated with the Lord of Worry, they are the Magus or Magician and the Hierophant. And you think about how like, You know, the hierophant represents these established structures, fixed nature, whereas, you know, Mercury, the magician, is always trying to go around, you know, the the hierophant is the keeper of the keys and mercury is the thief right. and the lock picker yeah, <laughs> right? right so it's interesting that those two are in tension and you get these questions of outside and inside who's locked and in and who's they're really out. opposite in nature too mercury is speedy
2: and taurus is anything but speedy <laughs> <laughs> they're very you know solid and slow and fixed and There's some inertia there to, when you, when you look at, now I know it's not the same thing. Mercury in Taurus is not the same as Mercury ruling the Deccan of Taurus. But when you look at the combination of Mercury and Taurus and look at how Mercury in Taurus might manifest in a chart, it can be someone who's conservative thinking, you know, um, resistant to change. Yeah. Things like that. And you see a little bit of that inertia and, um, in this card. And also there's a a more, you know, one of the qualities of Taurus is wanting to accumulate things. It's, 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 I have, I have things. It wants, it it wants its things. It likes Mm -hmm. its stuff. And so there's a little bit, you see in the five of discs, a little bit of that, that worry over material things, not having enough, you know, wanting, afraid there won't be enough to go around wanting to hoard things gr- the grasping nature a little bit absolutely. of Taurus
0: absolutely the fear of insecurity and running out and not having enough why your husband packs snacks wherever he goes yes, exactly <laughs> exactly there's definitely mine that. too
2: Yep. it's like this is the
0: mind focused on
2: what the what it has Right. So if you look at each of these things, it's the mind focused on something because they're all mercury. And it's also I that, think it's that it's the mind focused on what it has and if it's
0: enough. Right. And I think that one of the things that comes with this card, the Lord of Worry, is the ability to anticipate Problems and to buy insurance and to buy. That's that's a a tourist word. Oh, yeah, (laughs) insurance. Yeah, go to Costco and get uh, the bulk size. Yes, just in case because you might run out. You know, and and then lock it up where no one else can get to it because you know, God forbid, (laughs) you run out. So I actually got the five of discs the other day, and I very very familiar with this card, but I did a bit of sympathetic magic. Which was that, uh, we had had a broken slide bolt on our front door all winter. Actually, I'd just been blocking it with a crate because I was waiting for Randy to fix it. And I said, you know, screw it. I'm just going to fix it myself. So I got. Taurus didn't move fast enough for (laughs) you. (laughs) (laughs) surprise surprise so i go and i get his cordless jewel and i move the thing and i fix it and and now and i and i literally locked every door in the house even though there is literally no need to do that because i live in you know hicksville but then i just did it because it felt good and then i said the requirements have been fulfilled and then i opened up the house again but um sympathetic magic man it really works it's good Yes, exactly. It's, it's a way of, um, setting off the card, like, like defusing a mind. <laughs> so that's the five of pentacles, the mind in that state of conservation and mm. anticipation and concern, which allows us to flourish in the six. Actually, that's the preconditions that need to be set for that. And then there's the three
2: of cups. Yep. Yeah, that's Mercury, um, ruling the Deccan of Cancer. Right. The middle decan of cancer. So it's a really nice middle path right. expression
0: yeah. of cancer. There is that easy communication thing that is so mercurial going on in there. Um, the idea that you open your mouth and and whatever you say builds the bonds between you and the other people. There's also something about, you know, when you look at how
2: Mercury expresses itself in the sign of Cancer, it has a lot to do with intuition, using the mind for intuition and memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I look at this card and I see abundance and the joy that's in this card, it kind of, it's the mind reflecting on instead of like in the five with what it doesn't have, the, here's the mind reflects, reflecting on what it does have. Yes, you know, and yes past, abundance mentality. Past, you yeah, know. past memories of joy and fullness and, and fruition.
0: Right, So, because when we have a celebration, it's usually a cyclical thing. It reflects back on previous celebrations like Thanksgiving or birthday. And, you know, you
2: tend to, well, you sometimes wish you could forget the bad things, but hopefully if you tend to dwell on the good things, the good memories, as you get older, maybe those are the ones you remember,
0: hopefully. Mm, I like that. So it's almost as if we have, you know, in the five of discs, we have the scarcity mentality. And in the three of cups, we have the abundance mentality. They're almost opposed, but they're both functions or faculties of Mercury. Yeah,
2: they're both what the mind is choosing to look at in that moment. Again, with Mercury's tools with the cup, preserveth he. So here, the cup representative of the these Deccan cards is mm-hmm. preserving the abundance, the goodness, yes. and remembering it and, you know, reflecting the mind's reflecting on it.
0: Yeah, and also as a three and as something that's, you know, it's the cup, so it's the Briatic world, it's the emotional world, we're, we're talking about something that's fairly elevated. We're seeing an expression of, of the mind that is refined or which is, uh, which is in its sort of on its best behavior. That's kind of interesting too, because you remember
2: I mentioned that, you know, Mercury does best in aspect with Jupiter and Saturn. So mm. because this is a three, there's your Saturn influence, Jina oh, and Saturn. And if you look at, I mean, We've got a Saturn influence in the three. We've got a Saturn influence in the ten because of Malkut and Saturn. And we've got a Saturn influence in the six as well. And those are all pretty good cards for Hmm. the most part.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And then
2: also, you know, we said that Jupiter is really good with it. And the other really good card is the swiftness card. So not only does it have a double Mercury and Mm -hmm. Jupiter... You know, mm-hmm. so it's got. I mean, but it's got Jupiter because of Sagittarius um, right. influence. So anyway, yeah, right. there's a little oh, digression, but
0: yeah, astrological sort uh, of thing. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Mercury is helped is helped by Jupiter and Saturn. So hmm. in this case, it proves true. I don't know if it's always true.
0: And then in the in the ten, you know, I always think of the ten of discs um, as kind of the the marketplace skills of mercury because it's it is yeah, literally the the merchant the, the <laughs> money <laughs> yeah yep. it is the fluidity of the cash the box <laughs> exactly and it's it's the sound of the cash register you know the kaching of money changing hands and value being exchanged yeah that's one of uh mercury's professions is
2: money changer
0: yeah when you think about what happens in the marketplace, traditionally, it's a place where money changes hands, but also there's talking, there's bargaining, there's transactional negotiation. Haggling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to me, There's that's, selling oration. <laughs> right. There's persuasion. Yes. And there's uh, not entirely accurate representation (laughs) for whatever purpose that you may have. And, but it's conducted in a spirit of play, hopefully. I can't remember where I've heard this. It's been in fiction and it's been in nonfiction and it's been in documentary. It's just, you know, where you come from a culture where like we do, where you go and there's a price tag and you pay the price and that's it. You know, somebody coming from that to a market that's more, more, more negotiated where you are supposed to you know, high ball and low ball and figure it out between you, it's very uncomfortable for us. But from the other point of view, it's sort of like, why are you being so unfriendly? Don't you want to do this with me? Don't you want to play this game with me? Right, and it, that's right. just the nature of it. Yeah. So, you know, uh, should you find yourself in that situation, you know, channel your mercury and have a good time with it because the stakes are not really all that important, ultimately. <laughs> So, um, but the other thing about the 10, I think because it represents, you know, the final product of the harvest, in a sense, you know, the, 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 the value that's been extracted, it also is the legacy or the inheritance or the money that's being passed down from one generation mm-hmm. to the next. So there's that ancestral quality about it and that communication through resources or literally through psychopomp soul spiritual communication between the dead and the living so what the mind is focusing on in this one you know the
2: in the last card it was you know abundance and i i think of you know the last card is being the mind focusing on the joy of being nurtured and having enough in this card it's the mind focused on the ultimate accumulation, the ultimate culminations, you know, the mm-hmm. ultimate results of everything you've been working for.
0: Right. It's not I have enough right now, but I What's have enough. What's my legacy? To pass on. Right.
2: What's my right. legacy? What have what have I been working for my whole life? Exactly. It's very much a
0: long term view.
2: And it's interesting too, so you look at um Mercury in Virgo mm-hmm. it's as you well know as a native <laughs> it's it's focused on the details it's very much into reason and logic and stability and uh practical applications but there's also a certain degree of nervous tension yes and i think that that's the part that you know this card is ready to move on like it's it's just full of th- it's got all that accumulation it's just chock full and if it doesn't do something with it it's going to burst it has That's to right. it has to you know it has to pass it on
0: there's definitely you want to solve the problem you want to solve the riddle you want to get to the next destination yeah yeah i was thinking the other day i was going down in a wormhole trying to learn arabic and i was thinking if you ever wanted to like trap me for some reason and keep me from doing what i'm supposed to do you should just like throw down Like a piece of text with the English on one side and the other language in the other and a dictionary. And I'll be stuck there for like a week (laughs) because it's like... Because you can't let it go. (laughs) You have to figure that out. It's just words. It's just an alphabet. You have to know what it means. That's
2: that's interesting, too, because, again, to bring it back to the the mind and the intellect and this card, the danger in this card is holding on. It's holding on too long. Yeah, holding on too tightly for too long and not using what you've accumulated and that's really interesting to me when you think about the mind because what is more selfish than the mind right the, the mind the intellect and the mind is selfish it's all about me you know what right. i mean right right
0: and i think the lesson of this card is that you've got to pass it on it has yeah. to go somewhere it has to be transmitted Yep. old age infirmity and death Virgo 3. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. Fun times. And then we have, you know, from my Mercury to your Mercury. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So it I'm is. I'm at 29, Virgo, and your your Mercury's at, at one, one sag. So we go straight from um, the placement of mine to the placement of yours in the um, Eight, of Wands. Eight of Wands. And we were talking, you mentioned earlier a little bit about some of the dignity of this card, which is... Interesting because... Yeah, Mercury's in its detriment in this
2: sign. But, you know, uh, so I have a particular interest in that. So I read everything (laughs) I can find about it. And most astrologers seem to agree that even though Mercury's at its detriment in Sagittarius, they all seem to have nice, positive things to say about it. And I think that's because Jupiter and Mercury actually work well with each other you know that must be we have a bad tendency to interrupt um <laughs> as you've probably noticed because our thoughts are so transitory we have to say them right now or they won't say it at all Is you know so
0: well this is interesting because you know i think i've noticed that mercury seems to do quite well in sagittarius and Partly, perhaps, this card that has to do with it being rulership, face, face dignity, number, face dignity, which yeah. is combined with whatever the sign dignity is, and alleviates or mitigates, or both, occur at once. But also, it's an eight, which, as we know, is a good number so for Mercury. So it's double Mercury. It's double Mercury. Yeah. But I have to say that Mercury and Pisces does not do well at all. It's it's in detriment as well as fallen. And even if that's a Jupiter-ruled sign in classical astrology, it is not it's almost a good like, relationship. <laughs> it's almost
2: like Mercury in Virgo is double dignified, Mercury in Pisces is double detriment. You know, because it's detriment and fall. Mm. Uh, You know what I mean. And Mercury's Mm. Virgo is rulership and I see what you mean. You know, and exaltation. So it gets the double gets the double whammy of the other end. Right,
0: right. We don't actually have a card that reflects Mercury uh, as a face ruler because he has no face rulership in Pisces. He has very little dignity. Having just gone through that Mercury and Pisces retrograde, it was nasty, man. So yeah. so yeah so I think you know Mercury and Sagittarius does well it is fleeting
2: yes fleeting inspiration mm-hmm. it's transitory I, I saw I've seen it described as the mind or thoughts as shooting stars
0: oh I like and that I thought a lot that was really great of the fiery qualities yeah you have yeah to, and you have to like yeah. grasp
2: them or you have to catch catch them or they'd gone
0: <laughs> yeah and I think that in terms of um, overall Mercury qualities this card. Could represent, you know, the protection over travelers, allowing travelers to move swiftly and safely and smoothly, Mm -hmm. removing obstacles. That's a Ganesha thing. Processing speed, (laughs) you know, having greater capacity. Oh, definitely messages, letters, correspondence. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah,
2: Things that travel a long distance, you know.
0: Yeah. And I think we see... Especially
2: international correspondence. And nowadays it's global correspondence because of the internet. You can be talking to friends everywhere
0: that's true that's true and i like the way in the thought card they sort of bring in that messenger quality not only with the sort of like rainbow but Mm. also the rainbow you know as the messenger goddess qualities electricity yes and in the and in the right right of of lightning card it's almost like the packages are almost here it's your amazon day (laughs) (laughs) They're just coming home. You're watching the tracking. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, and it is also the Eight of Wands, the only Rider Waite Smith card. I think I've said without people, without people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what that reminds me. This is a little, slightly,
2: slight digression, but just while I'm thinking of it, that's the interesting thing about Gemini and Virgo. Three of Swords. Sorry, is that they're both. Human signs. They're not represented by animals. They're represented by humans. So Gemini being the twins, two humans, and uh, Virgo being the virgin, one human. Whereas most of the other signs are animals, or
0: in the case of Libra, an object. (laughs) (laughs) Well, or, or hybrids. I mean, there's the Sagittarius hybrid, but also there is the, um, there is a tradition of Virgo possibly being a bird woman. You know, she has the wings of the Australia. Yeah, but it's not the way it's usually represented. She's usually just a girl. And then with the yeah, with the six of six of swords. Swords. I think there's again that. I think there's this one is the problem solver of the lot. Yeah. You know. Yes, definitely. Sort of like uh, MacGyver Mercury. (laughs) Yeah, as far as.
2: This, now this is interesting that I read in, I think it was Isabel Hickey that said this. But anyway, I've read that Mercury is actually best placed in Aquarius, even though it's not its, its rulership or exaltation. And the reason that that's true is because, um, Uranus is the higher octave of Mercury. Mm, I've heard that too. So that Mercury in Aquarius is just a really great, brilliant, you know, problem solver.
0: Yeah, it does seem to do, um, particularly well in this Deccan. It's
2: also the, um, Saphira of the sun, mm-hmm. which is Mercury's little buddy. And then it's got Aquarius ruled by Saturn, which is a, a good stabilizing influence on Mercury, as we've talked about. Seems so it seems to all be. around seems pretty good. It's like in this one, the mind is, is focusing on Crossing space, how to get there, a goal and how to get there, how to navigate, how to travel,
0: how to There's master a big something. Kind yeah. of Abstraction to it. You know? Yeah. Both the idealism of Aquarius, but also if you think about you know the way the star allows you to sort of use abstract concepts to navigate through concrete obstacles, you know, by using math you know, right, or science right, or, right. you know, your GPS, it helps you um, conceptualize and theorize. It reminds me of when you're flying an airplane and you don't, it's very dark out, you have no visuals, but you can fly on instruments, because you can use that knowledge to unpack the situation and get you to your destination. Right, to, to master the space. Right. Yep. It's It's such a, I don't know, a card of human achievement in a way, in terms of technology, mm. because it shows... You know, how we it's can... It's the mind applied towards yeah. betterment. Towards betterment, towards get, escaping bad situations and also. Toward, yeah,
2: towards heading towards mm-hmm. an ideal, mm-hmm. the Aquarian ideal. We like that
0: card a lot. Earned success. Yes. Oh, we should probably talk a little bit more Kabbalah now, since we haven't done that much. Okay. Really. Um, I mean, well... Put on the Kabbalah hat. Put on the Kabbalah hat. Oh, man. So...
2: um First of all, we should start with paths of yeah. probably the path of Mercury, the path of the other majors, and then going to Hode.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the way to do it. So the path of the Magician, of course, is the second path on the tree going from Keter to Bina. Um And that gesture is reflected in both the Rider-Waite-Smith and Thoth versions of the magus or magician. And that is also something we talked about a bit in the episode, that sort of polarity of white and black, because white is the color of Keter and black is the color of Binah. That and it's sort of that dual nature of Mercury.
2: Yeah. And it's also from Keter to Binah is like from the source to
0: the form. The taking shape of the initial spark. Making it real, which of course is the is the magician's whole job, is to manifest yes. things uh, as above, so below, so below, yes. as within, so without. And specifically, it's that which is below is like that which is above. So the idea being that they don't just reflect each other; they're like one another, and mm-hmm. that if you alter the one, you alter the other, which is alo- what allows us as Magical practitioners to alter our fate, because we may not have control over the heavens, but we do have control over, you know, this materia, these words, this sigil, this rock, or whatever it is, this thought, this thought, this intention, right? Oh, and that's, you know, I think something that's so important about Mercury alchemically is that he connects the sulfur the will or or fire of life to the inert matter to the salt and it's that the human bridge. intention the bridge the mind that makes it all happen without that you just have two separate things and i think that that's something we can kind of see as an analog in the Keter bina thing as well where the bina is the matter you know and the and the Keter is the spirit or soul whichever you like to use the one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. And it's um, the magician, the wand between them that conveys meaning from one to the other. Conductor. Conductor. Exactly. Exactly. So paths for uh, the lovers and for the hermit. So for the lovers, it's from Bina to ferret, mm-hmm. right? From understanding to beauty.
2: Or from form to the central point. Or from the mother to the son.
0: From the mother to the son, right.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because it's heading from Bina to the central, to the middle pillar. Crosses
0: over the abyss. Yeah.
2: Yep, it's an abyss crosser.
0: Yeah, which kind of gives you, you know, some... You can think of the 8, 9, and 10 of swords as an ego death. Going through the abyss. For sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, something's got to be given up <laughs> in the course of making something real. And not to mention that the sun is a sacrificial sephira.
2: Right. To, and to and when it. you make that choice, you're making it from your heart, which is the central point, you know, ferret and what you give up and what you keep.
0: And then the hermit, we're talking about... Again, teferit. Yeah, ferret And chesed. But it's chesed, yeah, from mercy to beauty mm-hmm. that path the path of the hand it's interesting that one's the hand and one's the sword <laughs> right right. You know, right grasping the sword huh yeah, yeah that is interesting that that step from kessed to to maybe Ferret. we want to ex- maybe you want to mm. s- explain that for people oh, the hand right. and the yeah, sword so <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yeah, the hand being associated uh being the meaning of the Hebrew letter Yod, which is associated with the hermit, and the sword being the meaning of letters Hebrew letter Zine, which is associated with the levers. So you have uh these paths where one is the sword and one is the hand, which is curious. Um also, I mean Chesed is in a sense a paternal figure also going to the son. So you have the one... Father. Right, the father. Right, the father. to the son. One's the mother to the son, and one's right. the father to the son, right. in, in a way. In a way, they're not exactly in a, not, parallel. Not, yeah. But they are each from opposite pillars going to the middle pillar. Yeah. So there is that impulse towards balancing, I suppose. Yeah. Has it his father figure, but not as much as Hokemoth. Yeah, and also I think it's really interesting to think about the hermit in terms of the tree because of his lantern and the fact that he's carrying this light of the sun uh, along this path between the sun uh, and Jupiter. You know what else is really interesting that I'm just thinking about? Mm-hmm. We talked about how
2: Mercury is befriended best by Jupiter and Saturn. Mm. Well, Bina mm. is Saturn and Hesed is Jupiter. Jupiter. <laughs> so the two. That's interesting. Signs ruled by Mercury. Right.
0: Ha- right. Has a connection yeah. with those two
2: planets. It's that is interesting.
0: That is interesting.
2: Never noticed that before.
0: Mm. Yeah. And in terms of like the sacrificial six, you know, we saw the sort of killing off of one choice in the lovers, but, you know, there's a sense of sacrifice as well in the Virgo card in the sense that you're going from. The, you're renouncing something. <laughs> you're renouncing the, you know, uh, abundance and plenitude of, of Hesed, I suppose, to, to find this central balance in teferi. And interesting,
2: they're both connected to Tefera, and that's the, uh, Sephira of sacrificial gods.
0: Right. That's what I'm yeah. thinking about. Yeah. The lover's card crosses from Atzilut to Briah, the archetypal world, which includes the three supernals, to Briah, which includes uh, chesed, Gevura, and Tiferet, whereas the hermit card is enclosed entirely in the world of Bria, known as the creative world. Mm. When we think about the the way the different worlds interact with the minor cards, we have, you know, the eight of wands is an Atsiludic card. It's a card of fire in the archetypal world. So, you know, if you think about the archetypal quality of speed and swiftness that goes with mercury. That's something that we experience there. It's, it makes sense that it's something that happens like a flash of insight. It's not really something that is, that is so much of a bodily card, you know, right? or something that we analyze. And then you have in the uh, Three of Cups, we talked a little bit about that's in the Briatic world, so the emotional world. And so that takes place at really a level before words, yeah. And then when we get to the, uh, Yetzirah in the Six of Swords. Mm, the mind. That's the mind. So you can really see that as, uh, the Six of Swords as an, an expression of Mercury that we can really talk about and read in words. You know, we can understand and teach and learn that because it's, uh it's it's abstract concepts of the mind and then of course when we get down to the world of asea with the disks we're talking about practical matters, we're down, in matters the <laughs> down in the dingleberry down in the sorry it's okay <laughs> it's the it's the shit that turns into gold you know yep this is mercury the alchemist going from the five To the ten, from poverty to wealth. It's interesting that it's those two that are Mm. the mercurial disc cards.
2: Right. And we should also probably talk about Hode. We haven't talked about Hode
0: Hode or the cards of Hode. Right. So Hode, of course, is the eighth Sephira, also known as glory. Um, Glory and splendor are the way it's translated, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And so if you think about the eight of wands, the eight of cups... The eight of swords and the eight of pentacles. I mean, I guess you can really see different expressions, mer- mercurial expressions, mm-hmm. in those. I think that's true. We've talked about the eight of wands already, but the eight of the cu- of cups is, you know, a card that's on the move. That the combination. Move, but um,
2: I-, I was thinking about it as the eight of wands being the ethereal mind, mm. the eight of cups being the mind losing its initiative
0: Mm, mm. um yeah in pisces there we go yeah so this is your combination of mercury and pisces yeah really mercury through the eight and pisces through the sign right the eight of swords that bit of unforeseen
2: bad luck that the mind then has to deal with (laughs) um and not get too frustrated by Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then the uh eight of discs the strength and not really doing anything just letting things be.
0: Well, here's the thing, you know, I was just thinking investing about it, the four you know, and eights. letting it sit. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about the four eights. And I mean, I guess it was from a very writer Wade smith perspective now that I think about it. But I was thinking of them because of the Eight of Swords Deccan that we're in mm-hmm. and how, you know, when you're experiencing that kind of Eight of Swords paralysis, you can kind of look to the other eights for ways out of it. So um, the Eight of Wands is the advice that I often give people with the Eight of Swords, which is just wait, it's going to change, you know, and swiftly, it'll change soon. (laughs) Uh And then, you know, with the Eight of Cups, you need to release the emotional baggage and walk away from the situation, whatever it is that's pinning you down because it's not really doing you any good. And then with the Eight of Swords itself, you can, I often associate this card with meditation, with the idea that you can... You know, quiet your mind and recognize the demons that are bothering you as extraneous and trivial. That's
2: the uh Jupiter aspect of the Mm -hmm. card. You Mm -hmm. know, the expansion of the
0: mind. Yeah. The goal of meditation
2: to see the bigger picture beyond these little concerns. (laughs) Exactly, to
0: put them in their place. And then with the aid of discs to just chop wood, carry water, you know, just do the manual labor that that makes everything else seem, you know, kind of meaningless and unnecessary compared to just the work of taking care of your body and yourself. The, the eights can be viewed as, you know, different mercurial solutions. I can see that. And I think in terms of just what the number eight means, I often think it's sort of like, it's a way of saying there's a system, <laughs> you know, there is an order and there's a system, you know, in Chinese numerology is a very, very fortunate number, I think, because of that sort of enhanced stability of the double four mm-hmm. you know, the four is death but the eight is luck there's a sort of symmetry and order beneath the workings of the universe yeah and eight yeah. the number eight is full of symmetry
2: just as in its shape right. th- with the infinity symbol turned oh, yeah. on its head and which we didn't
0: even talk about which is exists in both the magus and magician yeah in writer wait smith and thought that idea that there's um either because it's the relationship to the analemma, the orbit of the sun, or because it's eight or because he is all powerful and, he can do eternity infinity of things. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Do you want to talk about some of the, you know... Maybe of- some
2: of the uh, Hode um,
0: yeah.
2: uh, correspondences yeah.
0: or something?
2: There's a lot of interesting things in there. Oh, right. What's the weapon of Hode? It's the names and versicles and the apron are the weapons
0: of Hode. It's very Masonic.
2: Yeah, so... Yeah, the wand and Caduceus... Are the weapons of mercury, right. but the weapons of hode are the names, versicles, and apron? It was something about how the uh, you know the names and versicles call up you know creation, whereas the apron conceals
0: oh and something we didn 't mention i can 't find where I wrote it down so they yeah, have to- is uh, is the double attributes of Hebrew letter um, bet. oh yeah, right mm-hmm, so you mm-hmm. know Beth, of life course, and death life uh, Beth of course, meaning the house, and then life and death is the double attributes. Mm-hmm. And- Again, that sort of uh, reflection of the white and the black. Kind of
2: like also the word as creator or destroyer.
0: Yes, and the Mercury as psychopomp being able to go between those two, life Mm. and death. Oh, another interesting
2: thing about the geomantic uh, figures for the Gemini, the diurnal, we have albus, Mm -hmm. meaning white, and then for the nocturnal, for Virgo,
0: we have conjunctio, or union. Right, and geomancy itself as a system of eight is considered a mercurial art. Mm. Very mercurial mm-hmm. of all of the divination Yeah, because systems. it's eight dots. Right. Yep. Right. Right. Plus, you take these stones of earth and toss them up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> right. So earth and air.
2: Oh, and the magical powers of hode the vision of splendor, the miracles of healing, the gift of tongues and the knowledge of sciences. Another thing that was really interesting when you look up, you know, in 777 the mm-hmm. the, the deities associated with so uh, when you see, you know, Mercury, you see Thoth and Hermes and the Cynocephalus, but when you look up Hode, it's Anubis, the lower form of Thoth. So that's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In 777 he also associates as in terms of the body, he associates with the cerebral system, the, all of the processes of the mind. Whereas mercury is the, the tongue, the lungs, the
2: windpipe, right. <laughs> all that right. stuff. Yeah. Right. Oh, and Hode's virtue is truthfulness, and, of course, that means the vice is dishonesty and falsehood, yes.
0: (laughs) I guess that makes perfect sense.
2: We could talk a little bit about the colors.
0: You know, if you look at the
2: colors of the magician, it's Mm -hmm. yellow, purple, gray, and indigo, red, violet. But if you Mm -hmm. look at the colors of Hode, it's violet, orange, russet,
0: and yellow, brown, flecked, white. The briatic color of those is the orange one, which is why you would see it represented yes. on a tree of life that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see on the
2: Minutum Mundum diagram, the mm-hmm. sephiro are all in the briatic colors. But you know what's funny is when. And I, the paths are in absolutic colors.
0: Absolutic colors, exactly. King scale or queen King scale. scale versus queen scale. And what's interesting about Mercury is that, like, I, I, I had emailed you last night that chart of the different colors that have been associated yep. with the planets. I've been familiar time, with that one for a while. I yeah, saved that years ago yeah. when I was And I asked digging. you to <laughs> print it out on your color printer because it's so interesting that, first of all, there's not much consistency except for Mars is red and Saturn's black pretty much all the time. But Mercury especially is all over the place. It well, you is- <laughs> know, what's really interesting
2: about that is when you look at um, the colors for you know, bes- besides the golden dawn color scales, mm-hmm. but usually when you when you look up um, in correspondences for mm-hmm. the colors of Mercury, it says
0: mixed colors, exactly. diverse exactly. colors, or plaid, or you know right. things like that. Right. <laughs> same thing with with animals and plants; they have to be you know yeah and same hybrids, with flavors, you know mixed yep. flavors, yep. Um, sparkly things. So meaning rocks that have other rocks in them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Mercury's tie-dyed. Mercury's like every uh it's been every color <laughs> basically there's no consistency whatsoever which is so incredibly apt when you think about it yeah it, it is yeah. shape shifting quality he has he's a chameleon of course the the medieval occultists believed that there were all these sort of monstrous beasts out there that were real so here there be dragons yes exactly and so you know all of those uh hybrid beasts like the unicorn uh, sorry like the manticore, you know, manticore <laughs> griffin yeah. You know, chimera. They're all mercurial basically. They're considered I guess not always, but there's this idea that um anything that's that changeable. Some nature, of them are martial,
2: actually, but
0: and uh quick animals as well, like you mm. know, the fox or the, the dogs ape dogs as well. The ape, absolutely. Yep. Anything that is in constant, quick, and variable, various, strange, or mixed. This is Agrippa I'm talking that about. That makes sense. <laughs> now. Birds, any of them that sing or speak like a parrot or magpie or lark, thrush, nightingale. And then the other thing is that, you know how. The greyhound. Oh, yes, the greyhound for speed. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's greyhounds on that 10 of Rider Waite Smith, 10 of Pentacles. I don't know. It Could looks be. like them. Yeah. Yeah. You know how every part of the plant is belongs to a different planet? It's the peels, the outsides, the bark of the, the of wood or fruit that belongs to Mercury. Interesting.
2: Yeah. I've heard that Mercury has to do with plants that have pods. So peas in a pod, oh, beans and peas interesting. And, and things yeah. that expel wind. <laughs> <laughs> beans. Beans, beans, la fruit,
0: <laughs> yeah, the um definitely also the umbiliferous plants, the ones mm-hmm. that carry Elder. seeds in the air, yep, so anything in the carrot family, parsley, uh dill, anise, caraway, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, you'll see that those are used in magic mm-hmm. um as mercurial stand-ins
1: then uh,
0: angelica. Oh, I would think I so. Think well, that that's sun. An, that's solar. Yeah, I think, it does for some have it. It's reason. in that umbrella, fica. But it has the same mm. shape. Parsley, which walnuts. I love the the, the legend walnuts of parsley because of the oh, brain,
2: walnuts. the shape of the brain, <laughs> and know. it has two halves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the parsley is supposed to go down to the devil seven times before it germinates because it takes so long, oh, which yeah. is very mercury psychopomp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crowley said all fugitive odors. Yeah, isn't that funny? I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, In terms of mercury. I mean, I guess, you know, he also mentions mastic and storax, which are, you know, those resinous things. And they are relatively, you know, ephemeral as resins go. I particularly associate uh, mercury with higher-up scents like lavender and fennel. Yeah, lavender for Um, sure. Yeah, anise type things. Oh, I forgot about fennel. Fennel, I... Think is mercurial, but it's also Promethean, and I think Prometheus is definitely an archetype that kind of Mm -hmm. matches with Mercury. Mercury. I do too, bringing
2: down the fire from heaven, right? You know, down below. I've always
0: thought Prometheus was mercurial, the friend to man, and also the idea of Yarrow, another um, for sure, yeah, Yeah. plant that is mercurial. Prometheus, in general, I think you know, kind of makes sense because he's often spoken of as you know what the qualities of Uranus really are, and Uranus being the higher octave of Mercury. You know, when we talk about what the god Uranus was really like, he wasn't really like the qualities we ascribe to the planet Uranus. Prometheus was like that. Mm -hmm. You know, the the going against the rules, sudden flashes of ideas, the inventedness, you know, those are Promethean qualities. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes think of that. And I thought you mentioned once, when, I think when we were doing the episode on the magus
2: that Prometheus, you thought he brought down the fire in a yarrow stock or something like it was that. Yarrow, That's what made me think of spell. yarrow. I can't remember yeah.
0: which it is.
2: But inter- yarrow is interesting yeah. too because for the I-, I Ching sticks, eightfold system. Right, <laughs> right. right,
0: eightfold system, and uh, and definitely a plant of Mercury. One. God, I forgot to mention is, um, well, not God, spirit, really. So in the 16th century grimoire, the Arbital there are the so called Olympic spirits. Mm-hmm. And we don't know all that much about that grimoire. It's, it's incomplete, but you can work with these Olympic spirits. And the one uh, for Mercury is known as Ophiel, and he is supposed to be well-versed in magical arts. So should you do that working? And the Arbitel is really a, a guide to doing workings where you communicate and find out for yourself. It doesn't really tell you what you should expect, but it's about personal experience. Should you communicate with Ophiel, you should be able to discover uh, occult secrets, hidden wisdom, magic, the archangel associated with Mercury is—I've mm, seen a lot of different. I've seen different ones. Attributions too, yeah. sometimes Raphael, sometimes Michael. M- yeah. So it's hard to know. I mm-hmm. like the idea of Raphael because of the healing qualities, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, Michael with the sword and Michael with the sword of absolutely. So yeah. I think we might have done. we might have done it. I well, think we busted yeah, we should, moon We hour. should wrap it up. Okay, so these have been the cards of Mercury. Although we've said a lot, we hope that the time has passed swiftly and that you've learned a lot uh, in the spirit of the great teacher, Hermes, Thoth, Mercury, whatever you want to call him. And um, we will be back next time with uh, My Lady Venus, I suppose. Looking forward to it.